Hi everyone and welcome to my latest podcast. It's so good to have you with me and if you are anybody who struggles with sleep or you find that you've come into your perimenopause, menopausal years, you're just getting older and you're struggling now with your sleep more than ever, then this is this is one you don't want to miss. So carve out the next hour to listen to this man called Tom Coleman and I promise you, you're going to learn so much about maybe why you've been challenged with sleep and some really good takeaways around skills and, and, and techniques and habits and behaviours that you might want to adopt to help your sleep. Now, before we move into the podcast itself, I just want to say that November, we're just finished. We're literally just recording this on the 1st of November. So if you're listening back, um, we are now on the approach to Christmas and it becomes probably one of the most challenging times of the year for people. We have our coaching books open for November. And I would tell you this without a shadow of a doubt that my most successful clients have started at the most difficult and most challenging times of the year, which tends to be end of November, beginning of December, moving into December, because it's a great start. It's a great way to start to implement new habits and behaviours around what can be a potentially um, challenging time around eating behaviours, dining out, more alcohol, more booze, having more sort of yummy foods around the house. So look, guys, I have my online one-to-one coaching um, spaces available. I have a few spaces available in November and I've nothing left then to January. So give me a shout if you want to jump on that. And also remember, we have our fantastic Revive and Thrive. It's a 90-day um, online private coaching program again available and it's also another option so drop me a dm drop me an, an email um info at targrindsfitness.com let's have a chat if you want to book a call totally fine but look um don't feel free to um to ship me through a message and look I want you to really enjoy this, guys. Um, I know a lot of my clients are really challenged with lack of sleep, including myself, although I have been able to work through my own sleep challenges, but um, but you're going to love this. Sit down, relax, enjoy, or if you're listening back in the car or if you're out walking, enjoy this. Good day, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast this evening. And this is one I've been waiting on a long time. I've been so excited. Today, we have Tom Coleman, who's a sleep specialist. Now, anybody listening to this, who is over 40, 50, no doubt has had some issues around sleep and has never really got proper guidance. And there's many myths around it as well. So from a health and well-being perspective, we all know that if you're not half slept, then the next day is a complete write-off. And as a nutrition coach and fitness coach, it's about improving your health-seeking behaviors around food, giving you the energy to you know feel motivated to get up and do some exercise. So today, Tom's going to talk around a lot of things. Tom, welcome. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Tara. It's a, it's a pleasure. I, I love talking about sleep. <laughs> well, Tom, before we get cracking on here, tell us a wee bit about yourself and your background and um, the work that you're currently doing. Sure. So um, I've been involved in sleep for about 10 years or over 10 years now. And how I that journey began was I my background is health science and physiology. So I was always fascinated a bit about how the body and brain work. And that's why I've done my degree in that area. I was obsessed with nutrition when I left college. I set up a nutritional consultancy business along with a chef about 12 years ago. And in working with athletes, I kind of asked the question, what has the biggest impact on recovery? Because I was working with some of the Irish rugby players, working with very high level athletes. So I was obsessed with this. And then the answer came back surprisingly to me is sleep. So it really just, that was the spark. I became obsessed with sleep 
And I got to work with um, very high-end wearable technology, which was designed by US military for analyzing sleep patterns and fatigue levels. Uh, and that's where my journey began. And since that, um, I've been involved in the corporate sector. So I consult and advise for multinationals on shift patterns and shift workers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done a lot of work with uh, menopausal women as well. So I was speaking at the last two conferences, the National Menopausal Conference in Ireland. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm, I'm as I as I said earlier, I'm in a, this is a documentary tomorrow night airing here on TV about menopause, which I'm delighted to be part of. So um, I'm currently working on a few few different projects. I have a book, so I have a literary agent who's who's pushing me to get to get this book complete, which is great. And yeah, it's been, it's been 10 years. I was involved in research with Professor Russell Foster from Oxford University a few years ago, which was a fantastic opportunity. Um, but my day-to-day passion is about empowering people. It, you know, I'm, I'm a passionate health advocate. That's what I am. And I want to give people actionable tools that have a real impact in the quality of their life on a day-to-day basis and help them if they're struggling. So that's that's really my passion and what I'm about. Okay, Tom Berlind. And look, I'm going to hang hang on one word there you mentioned, which was menopausal women, and slide you straight onto that avenue. And, you know, from a coach's perspective, whenever I'm coaching women, it's I always say health is multifaceted. You know, it's it's not it's not one-dimensional. There's many pillars to health and well-being. And um one of the fundamentals over and above the calories you're putting into your mouth and your movement is the first thing we look at is their sleep. Um, so tell me what happens when we have a menopause woman. So most of my clients struggle with sleep. And again, maybe not a struggle so much, but leading up into their 40s, into that sort of perimenopause and menopausal stage, they really struggle with sleep. Can you explain to the listeners, number one, why this happens and give some sort of action steps around things to help? So um, usually with sleep issues, um, they're multifaceted, like you said, and they're complex because sleep is the most natural thing in the world until it's not happening for you, right? It's, it's, but it's actually, it's actually complex. There's many things that inform it. So for the menopausal woman, let's look at some of those things. Firstly, age. As we age, we get worse at sleeping. And as we're all learning, we get worse, we get worse at a lot of things as we age, right? Um, but once we kind of hit our late 30s, early 40s, our sleep starts to get lighter over the lifespan, you know, without menopause, without any of it. So naturally, our sleep is getting lighter, which means there's more of a tendency to wake up. So there's an increase in wake episodes as we age. Then, you know, uh, for the female hitting uh, perimenopause and menopause, there's a, there's a huge disruption uh, with the sex hormones with progesterone and estrogen primarily, right? So um, progesterone has a key role in relaxation. One of the functions is uh, it, it makes the female feel relaxed and we're able to switch off. Um, there is disruption for females um, during the menstrual cycle uh, in about twice per month when there's the peaks and the troughs of the estrogen and the progesterone. So there is that disruption. But um, what happens to the perimenopausal woman is that gets taken away. There's a kind of increase in this kind of creeping anxiety, the brain fog, all of that is, is happening for you know a very good chemical reason in the body. Um, so that 
can then raise what I call, you know, your, your sleep anxiety or your people lose sleep confidence. Um, they start to experience more wake, more wake episodes during the night. Um, they start to experience stress and anxiety around sleep as well. Do you um, think that, sorry, Tom, do you think then um, that whenever you lose a few sleepless nights, you start to stress about it and worry about it, which exacerbates the condition? You know, they worry about it even more and then, you know, it, it gives more. Is that a real thing? Or Absolutely, absolutely. It is this anticipatory anxiety. So mm -hmm. I would say probably 80% of my clients say to me, I start thinking about sleep three or four hours before going to bed because yeah. I'm thinking. And it's like the more you need it, the worse it is, you know, it's yeah. like, I really, I really need, uh, you know, good sleep tonight. And the word that comes to mind for me, I'm a parent, right? And it's, it's desperation. You get despair. You're like, I have to sleep tonight. And that builds it up then. And anything that might throw it out, then it, you know, it's a very real impact because that's raising cortisol levels in your body and cortisol will prevent you sleeping apart from all of the other impacts that cortisol will have. So it, it very much is a real thing. Then one of the other key things that happens to menopausal women is um, they experience what are known as vasomotor symptoms. So the hot flashes, um, you know, um, extremely disruptive to sleep. And in understanding that mechanism, temperature is one of the key levers when it comes to sleep. So um, as our body temperature, it fluctuates throughout the 24 hours. So we reach our body temperature peak at 5 p.m., okay? And at 5 a.m. is when your body temperature is at its lowest. So there is this fluctuation of about two degrees, okay? Um, perimenopausal women, when they get the hot flashes, it immediately wakes them up mm -hmm. for that reason. A drop in body temperature causes a rise in melatonin, which is the sleep hormone. Okay, so temperature is absolutely key when it comes to sleep. And that's one of the reasons why we try and avoid strenuous exercise because it raises the body temperature and cortisol or even eating too much thermogenic effective food raises the, the core mm -hmm. body temperature. So um, there are things that well, the first thing to, to say to women is this. There is help. Okay. It's not set in stone. You can do it. You can uh, change and manage and improve your sleep quality. Uh, you have to retrain your systems and the road narrows a little bit. So what we do is we look at all of the things that influence your sleep then, okay? Now, in terms of the, 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 the waking up with, with high temperature and things like that, the fluctuations, some practical tips. Um, get a, a small bottle of water, put it in the freezer uh, a few hours before sleep. And then when you go to bed, a face cloth, just wrap it up with the, with the flannel and put it on your bedside locker. Make sure your room is ventilated, nice and cool, that you've, you know, natural fibers in your sheets. But if you can, have a, have a really decent mattress that has cooling technology that draws heat away. Um, if you do wake up, the fastest way to heat or cool the body um, is by applying heat or cold to glabrous skin. Now, glabrous skin, we have special regions in the body that heat us or cool us very quickly. So those regions are the palms of your hands, your face, or the soles of your feet. Um, heat exchange areas there, AVAs they're called. So that's the fastest way. If you do wake up, face uh, the flannel or face cloth, press it on your face, the cool water bottle, 
um, that's the fastest way to cool down. Now, sleep disruptions, wake episodes are normal to some degree. Okay, so you usually wake up in transition. So you're kind of, you've done one sleep cycle or two or three. Usually it's kind of two or three cycles. Mm -hmm. That's the deepest part of your sleep. Okay, so your sleep is naturally kind of like, then you wake up and you're like, you're flushed, you're everything else. Say to yourself that it's normal, that's fine. I don't want people worried about, I have to get back to sleep. Because mm -hmm. that raises the cortisol levels again. I kind of reframe it for people and say, right, first thing you say to yourself is, this is normal, this is fine. And then say, right, my goal now is to just cool down or to relax. And even, you know, if I don't have those menopausal issues and I'm the man, I just throw the sheets off and let the body get really cold. Yeah. It's one of the fastest ways to get back to sleep is actually get really just get out of the bed or get get really cold. That's, that's what I do. I just throw the, the 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 duvet off and just lie there and let the body cool down. The body will cool down, and the, the cooling of the body will increase the melatonin to get you back to sleep. Okay, yeah. so um, cool down, and once you've done that, then your goal then is relaxation rather than I have to get back to sleep because I know what people do. Right, the hand goes out, you check the phone, check the time. You know, you get the big blast of light and you go, yeah. oh, I have to get back to sleep. And it's, it's, it's it can be very stressful. Now, the other things that you do throughout the day, one of the things that you can do in terms of food and nutrition, there's a few things, but one of them is you increase foods that have phytoestrogens, not estrogens, okay, phytoestrogens, plant estrogens. And what they do is they bind to estrogen receptors in your body and they have the downstream effect without increasing estrogen okay um that can certainly help even how you organize your calories throughout the can day you, can you give us some ideas of, of phytoestrogens uh, for people listening to them sure so like um foods that are rich in phytoestrogens tend to be um nuts seeds leafy greens uh blueberry like I love it because it's the same kind of foods, you know, it's, it's the same foods that are good for cholesterol, blood pressure, you're making your skin look beautiful, all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. so phytoestrogens, phyto meaning plant. So they're in mm -hmm. plant foods. Mm -hmm. So avocados, leafy greens, uh, berries, nuts, seeds. I'm a huge fan of linseed as well. Uh, exceptionally good for hormonal balance as well, these foods. So uh, all of these foods will help. Now, you can go to your pharmacist and actually get phytoestrogens in a, in a supplement form as well. And what we're doing with, with these different things is we're stacking the odds because sleep is a, is a kind of game of percentages and numbers. It's a few percent here and a few percent there. Because I know that we, we often, we're nearly asleep. We nearly kind of tilt into sleep. We don't quite. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's very frustrating, right? The other thing you can do with your food is you stack more uh, proteins earlier in the day and have your carbohydrates in your evening meal and that causes the, a rise then in serotonin other serotonin being a precursor to melatonin other foods that will benefit sleep again it's kind of the same groups of foods any um, foods containing tryptophan so they'll be complex carbohydrates um, magnesium potassium b1 and um, these type of vitamins do will help with the process vitamin d if you do take vitamin d supplement take it early in the day because it has a kind of stimulating effect but it does have a role in sleep so these are the, the type of foods like sweet potato turkey uh, beans and pulses 
um, excellent sources, uh, a handful of pistachios or tart cherries, both have a clinical dose of melatonin within the food, oily fish. Um, yeah, just lots of foods that can that can benefit sleep and even how we eat, you know, it, having the, the, the main meal later. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Tara would tell you it's, it's, it's about the numbers at the end of the day. It's not, I don't want people to worry. It's, oh, no, if I eat any carbs after six, it would be stored as fat or that type of stuff. Yeah, so. yeah I know. My, I have that well drilled under my client. So they know that that um, that meal timing and meal frequencies are relevant when it comes to fat loss. But I think probably one of the greatest initiators of of all of this is as a lot of them struggle from this, mid, this waking up in the middle of the night. And, you know, w- understanding what's happening is one thing and then giving them strategies then when they are awake because a lot of my clients they find that they waken so you have a, you have a, a cohort of clients that waken in the middle of the night with night sweats and then um you have a cohort of client then who who, who just waken at, at the same in and around the same time each night and again is that enabled behavior is that a pattern that you've created or you, you know how can you uncreate that and also I suppose then you know, and I've seen myself nights getting up in the middle of the night. If I'm lying there for any more than 10, 15 minutes, I just get up. I go downstairs, I read a book and I sit and I wait until I'm really, really tired. And then I go back to sleep and I sleep sound. But I could lie there for an hour, an hour and a half, you know, looking at the ceiling, thinking about the day, the next day, you know, head going around, absolutely scundered. What's the best thing to do, Tom? Are you better getting up after a while? Are you better lying there? Give us some advice on that. Yeah, no, fantastic. And um, you know, it does, it does happen. It happens to, to many of us, you know. So <clears throat> firstly, I suppose we can inadvertently train ourselves that way. And I've I've so it's so so many of my clients, it does happen where maybe they've a couple of stressful weeks at work with something or they've an important presentation or whatever. And you know, they're on alert and they haven't part of the subconscious, there's still a threat there, and maybe that's why they're waking up. Uh, and then, then it goes away, the pressure goes away, but the behavior in the brain continues, as in the brain wakes them up at the same time. We, so, we must, so is it like learned behavior, Tom? Does it become yeah. like a habit then? You know, it's like, it you know, eating at certain times and having three, three biscuits with your cup of tea. Your body almost learns this new behavior. Is that the way it works? That's the way it works. Okay. But the good news is we can change it. We can rewire okay. the systems. We can retrain the systems to, to initiate sleep again very quickly. It's fine. It's and that's that's the thing where people think this is the way it is now, and I'm stuck. And and yeah. I, I kind of say to people, well, who wakes up in the middle of the night? And the hands go up, and I say, well, what time do you wake up? And they go, oh, three. It's the same time. And I'm like, yeah. how do you know the time? Because you you reach for the phone, you go, oh, I knew it. I'm awake again, and you get frustrated. And that's not what we want to do, you know. So. It, it it can be trained inadvertently. The chances of you waking up as the night goes on increases because. One of the key mechanisms that pushes you to sleep is something called sleep pressure. And that's a real thing. That's a adenosine plaque in the brain. So the adenosine plaque builds up as the day goes on. And that is basically the longer I keep you awake, the more tired you will feel. So the adenosine builds up. And then as you fall asleep, then the adenosine gets cleared and starts dropping. And your sleep cycles, you sleep in 90-minute cycles. So your sleep cycles are getting lighter each cycle. Your first 90 minute cycle, you're only dreaming for five to 10 minutes REM sleep. By the time you reach your fifth cycle, you're dreaming for an hour. So that means that after each cycle, your sleep is progressively and naturally getting lighter. 
So those are, are, are two key things that can cause us to wake up. On top of that, we're aging. So you start to see why we're experiencing more wake episodes. Yeah. Here, right? Um, so then to do, um, we have a strategy. We have an A plan, a B plan and a C plan. And we just follow that. And it, it kind of takes the pressure off. So the first thing to realize is, like I said earlier, when you do wake up, it's normal, it's natural. We reframe it by saying, my goal is to relax. Okay, so we do a breath work or a, 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 an exercise. We give ourselves some cognitive chewing gum. So like you said, Tara, and I'm the same, and we're all the same. We start to think about what we have to do tomorrow. We have to get to sleep because we have a very busy day and everything else. And if we start thinking about work, we're kind of gone, you know. Yeah. It's the same area of the brain, the prefrontal cortex that looks after problem solving, planning, short-term memory tomorrow, yesterday. And that's the same area that looks after worry. Okay. So if, even if you take the work away, the brain will gravitate towards worry. We, we want to move attention away from that. And that's why nobody's going to retrain your mind only you, you know. So, so and again, you wouldn't go to the gym once and say, well, that didn't work. Uh, or eat a meal and go, I, I don't know, any difference. So it does take time to, to, to retrain this inadvertent, you know, inadvertently gained habit or, um, you know, the, the road does narrow, but you can, you, you, you can train yourself to get back to sleep. Conscious relaxation and unwinding correctly and properly before you go to bed is key because if you go to bed exhausted and wired and you know you're you're going to wake up you know pretty in in, in 10 years of working with people that's that's pretty clear um so so doing that kind of mental clear out and unwinding before going to bed is important and that will reduce the wake episodes if you do if and when when because you will experience wake episodes it's getting you back to sleep if you don't achieve it with your first relaxation strategy and you're there for more than half an hour, absolutely spot on, get up. You know, you've thrown the sheets off, you've tried the relaxation, you're, you're saying to yourself, no, it's not happening here. Get up. Sometimes the thought of getting out of bed. Yeah, especially <laughs> in the winter now as well, when it's that much colder, you just want to lie there, you know? Yeah, yeah. so get out of the bed. But tiredness comes in waves because the chemicals are secreted and pulse it comes in pulses or waves so the 90 minute cycle that's an old radian cycle they continue during the day so get out of the bed do some activity that does not involve uh, alerting you bringing your alertness levels up very high like work or okay. you know, scrolling on social media and we can talk about technology as well because you know it, it definitely needs to be addressed mm -hmm. Um, and go back to bed when you feel as though you will achieve sleep. And in this way, you're training your subconscious to associate the bed with sleep. Nobody yeah. wants, I mean, it's it's a torture chamber for people. Oh, it is. It's a torture. But that worked really well for me, Tom, you know, wait until I was exhausted. And what I did, another thing that worked for me, and I don't know if there's any science behind it, but I suppose there's no one size fits all. And for me, it was waiting. You know, I thought... I had to go to bed at 10 o'clock, had to do an hour reading before bed. I was trying to do everything by the book. And then I just sat up and waited till I was tired because yeah. there's days I wasn't tired. Yeah. Um, I was going to bed when I wasn't tired. Um, yeah. And then I just waited to go. To, I went to bed when I was really tired, not when I was exhausted, but it was when I was tired and was ready. And I found that I went to sleep quicker and had a better night's sleep and had less wakening episodes. And that worked really well for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as there... 
is there proven strategies for bedtime routines tom is there like a is there a preferable thing to do yeah um, non-preferable things to do so so my bedtime routine starts when i wake up in the morning Mm -hmm. and that's the first thing to drill into your head is that like we all we, we kind of start thinking about sleep you know, before bed or when we wake up exhausted, go, oh, Christ, I have to get to bed early. It's not, I'm wrecked, you know. And Tom, this is this is another thing, you know, you get out of bed in the morning, the first thing comes under your head is, Jesus, I should be getting to my bed earlier at night. <laughs> I'm going to go to my bed early. I'm knackered. You know, shouldn't you be jumping out of bed? You know, really, honestly, because sometimes you just, you listen to things, you think that's the biggest load of crap. Should you get out of bed and feel energized straight away? Is there a lag period between putting your foot out of bed and, you know, your brain engaging and thinking, right, okay, I'm ready for the day? There is a lag and here's the science behind it. There's an absolute lag. It's the adenosine plaque that's still floating around your system. It's not being cleared yet. So there is that in you know in in more than 10 years working with people i've i think one person i've met who's who's told me no i wake up and i feel refreshed you know (laughs) it's a myth that's one of the myths i'm so glad to hear that tom i'm glad we cleared that up because it just takes me a wee while just to get get going in the morning that's because the the adenosine is still floating around the system so we wake up we we transition into wakefulness transition Mm -hmm. Not switch. <laughs> we yeah. transition into wakefulness, and, what, and our strategy then should be: we get up and we get exposure to bright full spectrum light. Okay. Now, what most people might do is hit that snooze button three, four, five times. That, I, that's me. That's me. <laughs> I tell people set a reverse snooze button to to, to switch off to get off the tape. Let that be part of your routine. I'll, I'll come back to that. So okay, good. <laughs> We want to clear the grogginess. What most people do, avoid light, go downstairs and start pouring coffee into themselves to feel human, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the caffeine molecule is the same shape as the adenosine molecule. So it actually, it, it blocks adenosine receptors and it blocks grogginess. That's what it does. And that's one of the reasons why caffeine is like, oh yeah, I, I feel awake now. Because it's actually blocked the, the tiredness receptor. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, as caffeine has half-life of, five, six, seven hours, mm-hmm. at about 2 or 3 p.m., you get the crash because the, the, the caffeine leaves the receptor and then the adenosine floods in and you get a worse crash. Now, the fastest way to naturally clear grogginess, i.e. adenosine, is natural full-spectrum light. Mm-hmm. That will clear it from your system. So hold off on the first coffee for 60 to 90 minutes after you get up. And then the coffee arch will help you get over that natural afternoon slump at three or four o'clock it won't be as severe yeah it's, it's funny i i stopped drinking coffee um after eight nine o'clock in the morning and it massively impacted my sleep because obviously through nutrition and understanding the science behind it you know and what people don't people also forget as well is that tea has caffeine chocolate has caffeine biscuits have caffeine you know and, and if you're sitting drinking tea and biscuits at eight or nine o'clock at night you know, you're sitting on your phone, you're wired up, you're an anxious person. Jesus, you're not giving yourself any chance to sleep at all. And you do no exercise and you're not seeing any daylight and you're stuck in a dark office all day. You know, we live in this climate now where we're in darkness six months of the year. Yeah. Everything's sort of shooting against you. So I know for me personally, the caffeine thing, especially coffee, 
I don't drink it after nine o'clock in the morning because if I have a cup of coffee at two o'clock in the day, that affects my sleep at night. Some people are very sensitive to caffeine. Yeah. They don't have, some people have a genetic mutation that allows them to process it quicker. But yeah. people, caffeine is, can be a, it's a real hair trigger with people. The light in the morning does several things to your body clock. Okay. okay. First thing it does is it clears the grogginess, clears the tiredness. So you, you're more activated. Mm-hmm. Second thing it does is it sets a timer in your brain for melatonin release. Okay. And you, the master timer in your brain needs this light information. If it doesn't, it, it's not anchored. So you, you want to anchor your sleep using light. Light is the most powerful external lever when it comes to your body clock. So that morning, like five or 10 minutes, you know, outside, fantastic. It really, it's a game changer with sleep. Do that three, four, five times a week and you will notice that your sleep will become more regular and you will get better quality sleep. Because like you said, Tara, we're not, we're not, we're, we're, we're you know, we're inside, we're insulated. We're yeah. not exposed to heat, the temperature. That was another cue from outside that our body needs, but we're, it's, it's even temperature throughout you know, um, so there's there's lots of things. And the other thing that the technology. So here's here's my piece on the technology. We've all heard of the white and the blue light, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's stimulating. We we understand that there are filters we can get. I've got one on my computer right now. Actually, that's it's it's cutting out that light. So mm-hmm. that's not but the other key thing about technology and how it works is this: it's stimulating you. You may think that you are unwinding but you're not. You're distracting yourself uh, with um, TikTok or whatever you are, YouTube shorts, whatever it may be. It's stimulating your nervous system. It's accept- It's highly addictive. And it, it hijacks the most powerful reward pathway in the brain, the dopaminergic system. Okay, That's designed to keep you alive. Right? Mm-hmm. Food, you know, food, water, sex, all these things, dopamine, oh, it's great it's what you haven't got what you want so when you're doing this with your thumb (laughs) it's hijacking that dopaminergic system so i want people to know that and that's you know that's why it's so hard to get off um and try and get some take control over your over your um how you use your phone because you can bring your phone into the bedroom and listen to relaxing music and actually one of the things you asked me earlier as part of your routine, you build your routine out. Okay. Now there is no best um, body scan or best meditation. Like what works for you is the best one. Yeah. You need to give your brain some cognitive chewing gum and do some conscious relaxation. The breath is a great lever in how our nervous system can be influenced, can wind down as well. So that any deep breathing, extending the exhale, box breathing, all of those things activate the opposite of the stress response, you know, the calming response, activate, rest and recover. So you're sending your signal, you're strengthening those connections that unwind you. And that's important to know. You strengthen connections that calm you down. So and that's why professional athletes, elite military, all these guys train these systems because they can be trained. You know, so it is about stacking the odds with the caffeine, with the technology, with the light. We start to see now that every single thing we do throughout the day, that's what really helps inform our sleep at night. 
You yeah, know, there, there's no doubt about it. As you say, Thomas, from your sleep, a good quality sleep starts from when you wake up first thing in the morning. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I know even for you'd mentioned there about your exposure to natural daylight. And I know even even before clients even change their diets, you get them out walking first thing in the morning. They get up, they get they get brush their teeth, they get their coat on, the raincoat on, and away they go. And they feel amazing and it sets up better behaviors for the rest of the day, but mentally and positively and energy-wise as well, it helps that, but it also helps their sleep because they're they're moving more as well, you know. And you're, you're working with your you're working with your biology. Like one of the one of the mechanisms mechanistically how that works is there's a researcher called Helen Shapiro from Stanford. And she was a psychotherapist and she had a traumatic event happen to her and she went for a walk and she felt better after. And she, she, she said, why is that? And she discovered that when we're in forward motion, when we walk or run or jog or cycle, our brain is scanning the environment ahead of us for danger. So obviously if a big dog jumps out and starts barking, the, mm-hmm. the, the brain is, it's no longer safe to move forward. If you're going for a 10 minute walk in the morning, the feedback is it's safe to move forward. Think about that, you know, and what that does is it reduces activity in the threat detection center of your brain, the amygdala. It reduces anxiety and fear. Mm-hmm. And from that, she does, she developed EMDR therapy, which is used today to treat post-traumatic stress where, where, where clients just move their eyes left to right. So like the advice that Tara or myself to give, like there's just evidence-based stuff there that it works it works every it works whether you believe it or not. You know, that's the great thing about this kind of stuff. You just have to be build consistency, build routine, and trust the process, you know, rather than being obsessed with yeah. you know the outcome. I think it becomes an obsession, Tom, you know, and people are are, you know, the, the, these boxes to tick, you know, 79 hours per night. And, you know, you have to go to bed at 11 o'clock and wake up at seven o'clock and have the same waking and timing and the same bedtime. What's what's the science around that? You know, do we do we sleep along with the daylight system or, you know, do we sleep? You know, is there like a, a magic number we need to be hitting on average or is it, it is. about quality of sleep rather than the numbers you're in bed? You know, there's a lot there. like the quality is so important. It really is. We are different. We are all different. All of us. We have we have nine different uh, genes associated with sleep that can be different. They're called clock genes, right? They can determine our preferences. Uh, they can determine, you know, whether we're night owls or whether we're early birds and things like that. Now, the thing is, we need to uh, organize our day in a particular manner. Mm-hmm. We need to do certain things. Uh, and then it's personal. You may need, you may be fine on six hours. I may need seven and a half. The general mm-hmm. advice is seven and a half. And that's based on five 90 minute cycles. So instead of thinking five, six, seven hours, think in 90 minute cycles. Okay. And plan your sleep based on that. That's the reverse snooze button. So you could be fine on six hours, which is four cycles. Uh, and then on two days a week, you get seven and a half hours. You know yourself. Your preference could be to go to bed slightly later. So your phase of sleep might be slightly later. We know if anyone's got teenagers, we know that their phase of sleep is goes like this, right? I have I have three teenagers and have an eleven year old, and you know they're a, a bit better now that they're at uni. But you know the two eldest ones. Yeah. Up all night and sleep all day. Is, is I, I, I biohack your teenager for you. Here, here's what I have to do, right? 
what you do is you go into the more you go into the bedroom in the morning, wear runners because you may need to run, and you flick the light on and off, and the flashing of the light to the receptors in 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 the eye, even if their eyes are closed, will signal to their brain to start producing melatonin 14 hours later. So what happens is they start to get tired earlier and they start to get to sleep earlier. And if you do that two or three days a week, your teenager will start, believe it or not, going to bed, falling asleep earlier and getting up a little bit earlier. I'm going to do that on Saturday morning and then I'm going to give them your name, your email address and your phone number, Tom. <laughs> the amount of teenagers now. I've done. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just on that as well, um, there was something else I wanted to ask you. I had it on my list here. Fitbits, we're all obsessed with steps and Fitbits and sleep patterns and Fitbits. Talk to me about that. Is it a, a lot of bunking or are we? It's 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 a really good point. And when you said mentioned it earlier, I thought, oh, I want to discuss this because mm -hmm. you know, I, I really think it's your personality, it's anyone's personality type, right? If you're a type A personality, if you're the type of person who needs targets and numbers and everything else. You would probably need to back away from it a little bit because here's the here's the research. Okay, so how accurate is the device? Like I'm a scientist, so I we use this principle called VARP. We measure validity is is a measure of how accurate something is, and reliability is a measure of how consistent the data is. So, um, in terms of uh, wearables that measure sleep, they're about 80-90% accurate at telling you if you're awake or asleep. Mm -hmm. Pretty good that accuracy level drops to about 40% when delving into sleep cycles, REM sleep, non-REM sleep, and everything else. So it means it's wrong 60% of the time, right? So the amount of people, um, Tara, that come to me and say, Tom, my Fitbit's telling me I'm only getting 20 minutes deep sleep. I'm really worried. What can I do? Mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. Like, it's not accurate, okay? I would, it's it, a rough guide. That's the way to view it, not to delve into, I have to hit this number. If I assess a client's sleep quality, and I use a validated tool for that, PSQI2, um, there's seven different uh, um, things that feed into that. One of them is uh, cons consistency of sleep, sleep regularity, it's called. Okay, mm -hmm. That's just as important as amount. So if you're the type of person who gets six hours, that's fine. Don't obsess that I have to get more or mm. don't obsess about the numbers that your wearable device is giving you. I worked with the gold standard of wearable tech, which was 94% accurate, and it was measured against the gold standard. So I knew my data was kind of accurate. Um, so don't obsess about the numbers. Yeah. Look after everything during the day and the brain will keep you in light sleep or deep sleep for whatever period of time it sees fit. Okay. The other thing then was the we had talked about this before we came on. Alcohol. Oh yes, alcohol. Okay, so cover your ears now. <laughs> talk, talk, talk to me about alcohol. As I said, it's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to admit. Yeah. Um, but I know that people, I know a lot of clients, they drink to relieve stress. There's been a, a lot of poor habits around alcohol and consumption of alcohol during lockdown. And yeah. people, people are struggled. They think that they need alcohol to fall asleep. And, and I don't know about anybody else, but it actually it, it really, really negatively impacts my sleep. Yeah. Um, my dad used to say to me when I was younger, I'm not worried about the problem you have. I'm worried about the solution you're going to apply. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the solution, uh, the alcohol solution. Um, 
So how does it affect sleep? People will say that it helps me sleep because it may help with sleep onset. It's a vasodilator. It shuts off the prefrontal cortex, shuts off that logical thinking yeah. and gets to feeling good. No, I, I just explained that you can do that yourself. Yeah. Right now, how does it affect sleep? It suppresses REM sleep. Mm -hmm. okay. Now, REM sleep is light sleep, just as important. I mean, it's hugely important because that's when all the psychological repair happens during light sleep. So people don't undervalue light sleep, you know, as well. So it suppresses REM sleep. And that's why alcoholics get delirium tremors. That's the exact reason, because the suppression of REM, that's why they wander around raving because their brain is forcing them to dream during uh, an awakened state. So alcohol is powerful. Now, if you drink too much, far too much and you end up asleep and I put a polysomnography hat on you and measure your sleep waves, uh, it will tell you that you're not asleep. You're out of consciousness. You're not technically sleeping. Okay. Okay. So um, it's not that anyone would do that, but so even a small amount of alcohol will disrupt the quality of sleep you get. Sleep onset, yes, but you will not get into the deeper restful sleep with alcohol. So what define define small amount of alcohol? Um, can can so, you give me the kind of numbers, glasses? Yeah, how much? the units. Let's look at units. So, um, not always achievable for people, but we want to. It, it takes the body about one hour per unit to burn it off. Okay, so. No, not that I would deprive anyone of a glass of wine or a beer either, not to be a complete, you know. So a couple of beers or whatever, a few, some wine every now and then, absolutely fine. And if you can have that and not just immediately plop into bed, yeah. then you give your body a chance and your brain a chance yeah. to off, and then it won't have that detrimental effect, okay? So that's what I mean by a little alcohol a couple of units, maybe two units, three units were, and some of that has been burnt off before you're initiating sleep and your sleep won't be disrupted that much. Okay. Um, but the dependence then on it as the psychological and physical dependence that will develop if you, if you lean on it can be scary. Okay. So I would, you know, warn people about, about using it as a sleep aid not not good advice okay at all so just be yeah. mindful about what you're using to help you get to sleep yeah and I just I know we're <laughs> I, I am really hammering you here hard I have, I have a few key points I wanted to get through and I suppose I'm thinking about my fat loss clients and people listening who are looking to lose weight and I know there's a lot of science around sleep metabolism and um, sleep repair and the importance of sleep for body composition as well um, yeah. So, you know, can can you give us some of the science on that and some of, the, of your evidence-based um, research around sleep metabolism and the, the importance? Because I have lots of clients who train quite hard and I even know myself, I don't train late at night now because it just affects my sleep too much. I do my training early in the day, which has really helped my sleep also. But yeah. I know a lot of clients who train really hard, sleep really poorly, and they're not getting any improvements in their body composition. A lot of menopausal women too who aren't getting good quality sleep at night. Again, fat loss is obviously impacted some way in sleep metabolism. Can you explain that for listeners as well, Tom? So like the repair, what's going on while we sleep, 80% of tissue repair, that's happening when you're asleep. Like I work with professional athletes. They're telling me I'm gaining muscle. I'm drinking the protein shakes. And, they're, and I'm smiling at them going, no, you're not. 
vast majority of physical repair that's happening is happening at night while you're sleeping. First thing. Second thing, cortisol levels. If your cortisol levels are elevated, we naturally get the cortisol awakening response in the mornings. We get a huge... Cortisol, cortisol means your stress hormone, Tom. So uh, what we are diurnal, meaning we are active during daylight hours. That's our strategy for life. So the mm-hmm. body, our physiology is set up that we get a big pulse of cortisol in the morning. And that gives us a kick in the ass to say, get up, eat calories, survive, procreate, learn. Lean into the day, people. You all know that, right? Lean it. That's your cortisol. You're actually better able to handle stress in the first half of the day. Much better. Ask any parent. Yeah. Like a four-year-old, Lord above, by the time the evening comes, I'm like, please. So, okay. Now, if we do activities that activate the fight or flight or activate cortisol late in the evening time, it's going to disrupt sleep. It's going to disrupt your sleep, so you're not going to get the repair in, and your body's going to treat energy differently. It's going to treat the food that you put into it. It's in fight or flight. So digestion is not a really big priority at all. So the food just gets shuffled into um, fat storage. Okay. Um, so you're not building the muscle. The, the way we treat food um, differs. Um, so, you know, those changes are happening. Also, um, inflammation is mediated when we sleep. So in repair and restoration in the body, it's there's three stages to that. The first is inflammation, and then our body rushes to do something about that and start he- remodeling, repairing, and then remodeling and rebuilding. Okay, we don't want to be chronically inflamed. If, we, if we're not getting the sleep, we're going to be chronically inflamed. And one of the biggest studies ever done on obesity found that 70% of it was down to inflammation. If you are inflamed, if, you're, if you've got inflammation, inflammatory cytokines in your blood, your body is just going to treat food differently again. It's going to turn down your energy and it's going to push food into uh, fat storage. So those are some of the mechanisms of how and why. I, I encounter it all the time where people seem to be eating fairly well, training hard, low energy, not getting the results. They're forgetting the foundation. The foundation of all of this is sleep, because if you're getting the, the adequate sleep, the inflammation will be down, the healing will be up, your um, immune system will be not uh, too sensitive or not performing well enough. Because again, when you sleep, you your immune system wakes up, and that's what mediates and balances everything. So um, really important that we keep those cortisol levels low uh, in the evening time, in the afternoon. For, for people who do train a little bit later, that will push your circadian rhythm or your body clock out of it. How to counteract that is, and this is what professional athletes do, they eat a meal with carbohydrate and protein, but three to one. Don't need to go mad in the numbers. Just get some food into it, right? Get some food. That stretches the stomach and it, it sit, the vagus nerve sits on top of the stomach and that will tell your brain, rest and recover, rest and digest, right? So eat warm shower that will also same thing activate parasympathetic and deep breathing those three things you can stack those on top of one another and that will all send signals to the body to relax and unwind and flush out the 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 adrenaline and the the cortisol in your body so um yeah it's just about getting the activities right at the right time and all of these little things they add add percentages 
Okay, brilliant. Tom, look, I'm going to get you a final, final thing. Give me your top, your top, your tip top strategies moving forward for any of our listeners. Your your top five, your top six, whatever it is. So hit us with them. The 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 first one would be the light, would be engaging with that morning light. It, it it's a game changer. And I, like engage as much as you can because the more light you get, the higher your serotonin will be. Now, I'm sure you've all heard of serotonin. That's the happy hormone. That makes us content in what we have right now. Get that from hugging a child. Get that from serotonin. Also, serotonin is a precursor to melatonin. So if you're not, if you're struggling with sleep, it could be low serotonin causing low melatonin, right? So light, number one. Uh, number two, uh, exercise, I would have to say. Um, but get more physically active. So many of us are, we have psychogenic stress in the mind. Same response, same chemical environment in the brain and body, exact same response, okay? We're not, we don't have enough physical. We're mistaking comfort, again, for relaxation, sitting on that couch, yeah, yeah. right? Um, so light, exercise, um, look after your food. I mean, the better your food is, the better quality of that food is, the better your sleep, you're, you're going to work so much better. The systems are going to find a meat which much less resistance and you're going to be so much better. Everything is impacted. Mood, you know, body composition, all that type of stuff. Conscious unwind. I think this is like, I would say 99% of my clients have this kind of anxiety or racing mind. Nobody's going to retrain that for you. People say to me, sure, my mind just races off by itself. You'd swear now it was a, a child or a lab <laughs> that they have, right? And I say, well, like, who's going to retrain it for you're going to have to do that and, and and that takes patience so being cognizant of that and incorporating that into your routine so that unwind and that, and that should start happening at six seven o'clock in the evening where you're going to it's time now to start ramping down activity here check in with yourself check in with yourself during the day during the evening even even do a few breaths because you don't realize how stressed out you are. You don't realize how wound up you are. Only when you do a relaxation exercise do you. Oh my god, I was. I thought I was relaxed. I wasn't. Okay, um, that's four. And then I would say consistency. Uh, keep failing. You know, keep yeah. trying. Keep failing. And, and, failure, <laughs> and, and let me let me just explain the failure. Neuroplasticity in the brain is when you rewire it. Okay. Um, the trigger mechanism that's necessary for neuroplasticity to happen is failure. We must fail repeatedly for the brain to go, oh, I know you want me to do this. So have patience with yourself, with your sleep routine. Push yourself outside the comfort zone. Like if I can add one more, that's fine. One more is the cold water. Cold water, my God, fantastic. If you do that cold water, try and do it before 4 or 5 p.m. Okay, Because if you do it after, it will cause a rebound heating effect. Which what do you mean by cold water, Tom? A cold water immersion. Jump into someplace cold. Jump into the sea um, or do uh, a really cold shower. Do that randomly once or twice a week for a few weeks. That completely resets your baseline dopamine levels. Okay. Um, it will really, it increases serotonin as well. So it's it will just really help you do that reset. 
it's a great way to start to reset. Just walking, just walking in the rain, does that count as a cold shower? I don't think I, I see these, um, you know, people say, oh, it's really good for your health. It's really good jumping into the sea. And I'm going, no, you're all right. Thanks very much. No, I, I think wow. I do everything else. I'm jumping into the sea at seven o'clock in the morning. Sorry, just doesn't no, do no, I, don't, I, don't it. I done it at the weekend. And I can tell you this, Tara, every fiber of my being and my mind was saying, this is a stupid idea. What are you doing? What do you want to do that for? Come on, you know, I hate the cold, and I, oh, I, yeah. I had to, you know, ignore the voice in my head all the way down, and then I got in. It's less. I had two minutes in the sea up to my neck, and it was it was bloody cold. I tell you, yeah. Got out. I felt amazing, and it 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 raises your baseline level of dopamine after less than thirty minutes, and that effect stays for three or four days. Okay. Um, I felt it. that night my sleep quality really, really improved. So we don't feel like it, but mm. it, it can be good for us. So push yourself a little bit. So there we go. <laughs> um, absolutely fantastic. And I know you're coming in to work with my clients in a few weeks' time. So um, I have the heads up here now. So I'll be able to, um, uh, and look, they're going to absolutely love this. And that was just amazing. Thank you so much. I think I squeezed every last drop of, out of you there, Thomas, in and, 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 and one hour. So for anybody listening back um, or listening to this, Tom, tell us, uh, tell everybody where they can find you, your Instagram handle, your website, where where can people reach out to you? Sure. Uh, TomColeman.ie on instagram and the website is www.tomcoleman.ie as well so um pretty easy to find me so reach out if you do uh, if you are struggling you know there is help there i work with people all the time i have an idea program that that goes through all of it i'm trying to cram 10 years experience into into one hour here but like i i actually give people the the tools and, and i retrain people on how to achieve consistent predictable good quality sleep so and you work you work on an individual one-to-one basis as well um online tom if anybody's because i just know there's so many people struggle with this and, and like everything else you sometimes you need to consult with a professional coach to get the real help you need and and is this, is this something you do on a private one-to-one basis as well i do yeah i open up for i take on new clients um, I kind of dig in and ask some questions because it's important for me to understand the nature of the problem and understand I can really help you. Yeah. So and I, you know, I've had some great results with people. If if they're willing to to take the the, the right actions, they will most right. definitely get amazing results. Brilliant. It's so good and it's so reassuring to know that there's help out there. It's just knowing where to get it. So folks, you know where Tom's at now. Tom, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to getting you in to work with, with my clients in a few weeks' time. So all the best. Brilliant, Tara. Thank you so much for having me. Real pleasure. And I, I know that people will will um, get a lot from it. And if their sleep improves, their life will improve. So thanks. thanks oh, so much. Super. Thank you so much. Thanks.